Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hey everyone, JJ Cooper here to let you know that the Baseball America Team Prospect Podcast are brought to you by you, the Baseball America subscriber. If you're a Baseball America subscriber, we want to thank you. Your subscriptions are what allow us to do what we do. We know that you want the most in-depth, well-researched, and well-reported scouting reports we can provide you. That's what we aim to do with our top 10 prospect list, the Baseball America Prospect Handbook, the Top 100 Prospect List, these podcasts, and all the prospect coverage throughout the year. But we can only do that because you support us, and for that, we thank you. And if you're not a Baseball America subscriber yet, but you love all this prospect talk, you can join the ranks of Baseball America subscribers today. Every Baseball America print magazine subscription comes with full access to our website content as well. Or if you prefer, you can subscribe to get our content online for less than $6 a month. Go to BaseballAmerica.com store to subscribe today. And for those of you who do, again, we want to thank you. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another Baseball America Prospects podcast. I'm Kyle Glazer, joined on the phone by Ben Badler to discuss the Phillies' top 10. Ben, the Phillies, we know that there's a very, very uh, large group of talent in this system. Uh, we saw a couple guys graduate last year, namely Reese Hoskins. Coming into this year, you had some options with J.P. Crawford, uh, Sixto Sanchez, possibly even Scott Kingery if you wanted uh, to go for a number one prospect in this system. Ultimately, we went back with J.P. Crawford, who has been the number one prospect before, uh, fell a little bit midseason, but really rallied the end of the season to kind of show he was still still a guy to be reckoned with and made his major league debut. Uh, just overall, you know, in your conversations with evaluators around the game, what was their overall take on, on Crawford and maybe what caused his uh, his fall a little bit and then what allowed him to rise back up? Yeah, when you look at what J.P. Crawford did, not only in the first half of 2017, but really going back to where we have, you know, up until that point in, in June where he took like a 10-day break and then really turned it around, and we had more, we got about more than a, a little bit more than a full season of him playing in AAA and really struggling there. I mean, he's always had very good strike zone discipline. That didn't seem to waver too much, but he just was not being productive uh, offensively and, and some of the reports defensively early on in the year uh, were were not great either. So, uh, you know, I, I, I was still optimistic about him at that time. I felt like him and Hoskins were still, you know, the two best prospects in the organization. Uh, but but Crawford really turned it around uh, at the, you know, after he took that little break in the middle of the season for, you know, supposedly is, is for, uh, you know, to rest a, a groin injury. But, uh, you know, I don't know how much of it was more of a, you know, how, how much of it was a physical break or how much of it was just a, a mental break to let him kind of, uh, just take a, a bit of a mental breather and, and readjust. And in the second half, he just he just went on a tear. I mean, everybody saw what he did. I think he did a a better job of of staying on the ball and and kind of controlling the outer third of the plate. That was something where he was struggling with early in the season and uh, you know pulling off the ball. And, and pitchers were kind of exploiting some of the holes that he had there. Uh, so I think he did a, a little bit better job. Uh, 
staying on the ball, and, and that showed up in his play coverage and, and the overall performance and, and his ability just to uh, to drive the ball and, and impact the ball. Uh, the, the player that he looked like in in the second half uh, looked like the the number one prospect, you know, one of the top prospects in the game that, that we thought, uh, and so I thought J.P. Crawford uh, has had the, the talent and, and the ability to be. So, uh, you know, I, I don't think we can just kind of hand wave away and just totally dismiss what J.P. Crawford did over a pretty significant sample size uh, th- through the time that he did struggle in AAA, but I do think that what he showed in the second half is, is more indicative of of his true talent level and, and what to expect going forward from him. Absolutely, you know, Sixto Sanchez really uh, established himself as as a premier pitching prospect in the game this year. How much of a debate was it for you, JP versus Sixto, that number one spot? Yeah, I, I don't think there's uh, a huge gap between them and, and even Scott Kingery too. Like you said, uh, look, if, if we look back 15 years from now, and uh, Scott Kingery is the best player of these three, I, I, I wouldn't be too surprised at all. Uh, but Sixto Sanchez is like if everything goes right, you have a number one starter, um, or certainly somebody with the, the potential to be a number one starter. It's you know, he's sitting mid to upper 90s, touching triple digits, and it's it's very easy for him. It's, it's not a max effort guy. He, he It's very fluid in, in the way the ball comes out of his hand, and he repeats his mechanics. So when you have somebody who has that explosive of a fastball and it can command that fastball, uh, you know, that's probably... <laughs> Partly why you see him move so quickly through the system, uh, and I, I think he has, uh, you know, he's shown flashes of a good changeup, uh, you know, flashes of a, a good, uh, of a good breaking ball at times, uh, at least with the, the slider. I think there's potential in, in both those pitches. Probably more advanced with the changeup right now. Uh, I think that's kind of the key for him is to continue to sharpen those pitches. You know, we saw Adonis Martina in their system makes a, you know, big, big step forward with his off speed stuff uh, this year. And that, that caused his strikeout rate to spike. So uh, I think that's, that's really the focal point for Sanchez going forward. Cause there's not much more you can ask for uh, in terms of the, the fastball from him, whether it's in terms of the velocity or the command. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, you mentioned Scott Kingery as well. I feel like that, the top three in this system, that Crawford, Sanchez, Kingery, is kind of the the tier one of guys, and there's probably a little bit of a, of a hard break there before you move on to that four, five, six. Uh, in regards to Kingery, you know he had a fantastic double A, slowed down a little bit triple A, but that's kind of to be expected. How I think the ultimate question is just how good can he be? I think that a lot of people are very intrigued by him and his performance track record, and are wondering is this. A perennial 2020 guy? Is it more of an average regular? Where is he on that line for you? I, I think the sum of everything he brings to the table is somebody who can be an above average everyday guy at, at second base. There's there's not, uh, like, I don't think there's one thing that he does like uh, like a Sixto Sanchez or, you know, like a, like a Jalen Ortiz <laughs> who has one tool. You're like, oh my goodness, this is, this is incredible. Uh, I think he does a lot of things well and does a lot of things that add value. It's, uh, you know, he's it, second base, so you've got a, a middle of the diamond player who 
has a chance to be a, a plus hitter. Uh, he's got some surprising power. Obviously, he played at Reading, and uh, just about everybody can hit for power at Reading. But, uh, you know, I think he's, you know, I, I hesitate to say, like, you know, put a, a home run total on him just because of what's going on in the major leagues with uh, these balls flying out of the ballpark. <laughs> And especially in Philadelphia, that short fence and right, he'll have a, even extra chances to, to go yard. Yeah, it's, you know, like, <laughs> I love Reese Hoskins. I'm probably the number one Reese Hoskins fan, but, like, uh, his, his home run, uh, just his overall production spiked way up once he got to the major league. So, you know, yeah, a combination of the, the ballpark, uh, the baseballs, and uh, so I, I think that, you know, you, like Scott Kingery is not somebody who I expect to go out and hit, you know, 10 to 12 home runs. I think he's going to be, you know, have average to, you know, maybe better power uh, even in the future. He's not like a physically imposing guy or anything, but he's just got strong hands, strong wrists, forearms, uh, you know, the, the bat speed and, and the contact frequency will help the, the home run production. And then uh, he's just, he's a good defender. I think he's a plus defender at, at second base, does a lot of things. Well, there and, and base running. He's a, he's a good base runner, smart player. He's he just he contributes. He, he adds runs in at, at the plate. He, he takes away runs from the other team in the field, and he adds runs for you on the base pass. So when you combine all that, uh, especially from a player who plays in the middle of the diamond, I, I think it's gonna be a, a really really important player for the uh, for the Phillies in the future. You know, is it fair to say, as I mentioned earlier, that Crawford, Sanchez, Kingery top three is kind of tier one, and then you have that next, you know, Adonis Medina, Adam, yeah. Adam Hazley. Yeah, so, you know, take us through that process. You know, Hazley was a top ten pick this year. Medina is a promising arm, uh, albeit in low A. Uh, you have Jojo Romero, a lefty who put up some good numbers in high A. Um, even Jalen Ortiz, another, you know, top international signing. All these guys have, have grades on them as potential above average uh, maybe even more big leaguers. How did you kind of stack those guys up, and ultimately what led you to put Medina on top? Yeah, I mean, so I think you could shake those guys out in that kind of four to seven, maybe eight range in, in a bunch of different ways. Uh, for me, Medina, Medina Medina was the most – he, he separated himself for me. I, I liked what he did this year in terms of the, the adjustments that I was talking a little bit about before with the, the off-speed stuff, I think especially that – introduction of, of the slider into his repertoire. I think that was really important for him. So you've got, uh, you know, a pitcher who, who yeah, he's, he's far away uh, or he's further away than, than some other guys. Uh, you know, he doesn't have any upper-level minor league experience, but uh, the track record that he has, the stuff that he has, all of that points to me to a guy who I think has a, a good chance to develop into a, a mid-rotation starter. Uh, you go a little bit, you know, lower in that bunch of guys, and, and then you have somebody like, you know, Ortiz, who, wow, I mean, it's <laughs> the the adjustments that he's been able to make as a hitter are are super impressive. Uh, there's never been any questions about this guy's power. Uh, I just remember watching him play before he signed when he was 16 years old, and even the power then he had was uh, was was extremely extremely impressive. Um, so this is a guy who has, you know, 70 raw power and made a lot of adjustments this year with his, his hitting, uh, his ability to uh, recognize and, and anticipate pitches 
uh, off-speed pitches and lay off them outside the strike zone, more or less, and had a you know very impressive performance in a college-heavy league uh, in the New York Penley as an 18-year-old. Well, if you know if everything clicks for him, he could be a middle-of-the-order bat. At the same time, I do want to see him do it at the the full season level. Uh, but if he goes out next year and hits like he did this year, he has a chance to be their number one prospect. <laughs> so he arguably has more upside than Medina, but I think he also has, even though pitchers are inherently more risky than position players, I think that right now there's probably more risk uh, with Ortiz than there is with Medina. And you know, kind of the, you mentioned Adam Hazley. That, that was kind of a tricky one to figure out because the Adam Hazley who showed up uh, or the version of Adam Hazley who showed up in in Pro Bowl didn't quite match the reports that we had from when he uh, when he was in college and right before the the Phillies made him a first round pick and I think a lot of that was probably just due to fatigue. I mean you can kind of say that for a lot of players or uh, it probably gets used as an excuse sometimes. But look, Hazley was Hazley was a two way player who's basically been playing since February. <laughs> so, yeah. um, you know, I, I think in his case, there, there's a legitimate reason to think like, okay, this guy, when he got to the Phillies, probably there's fatigue masking his underlying talent and, and his true talent level. Uh, you know, I've seen, you know, we see it like in, you know, in the Arizona Fall League sometimes, like Mike Trout once, when he was there one year, looked uh, really run down. I think Buster Posey, uh, if I remember right, was, was the same way. And if you saw those guys then, you'd be like, huh, doesn't, doesn't look right. And that's just some guys are tired when they're run down and they're overworked. That's just, uh, you know, you have to keep that in mind. You have to keep in mind what kind of sometimes what you're not seeing uh, in the report. So to me, that the, 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 his ranking was a little bit tricky because of that. But ultimately, it's weighting his report. Uh, I, I weighted his amateur reports more heavily than the the pro reports, uh, but but look at the same time with Adam Hazley, there's there's nothing really that jumps out at you that's like wow this is you know something that really you know there's there's no like 70 tool I don't think that, right. that he has um, it's so there's even there there's some risk and I think he has actually a lot to prove going out next year just to show that that you know last or this year in 2017 after he signed that it, you know it really was just fatigue. Uh, and that he is somebody who merits that number eight overall uh, pick in the draft where the, the Phillies got him. But, uh, yeah, I, I think there's a lot of different and very defensible ways that you can go on uh, ranking those guys, but that's the the kind of the process that I went through to uh, or, or the thought, thoughts that I had in, in terms of stacking those guys up where we did. No, absolutely. You know, it's interesting. You move down beyond that tier, and you go Jorge Alfaro, who – has gotten to the majors, but there's a little bit of shine off of uh, you know what his stock was, and and he's an interesting guy to me because he was a guy that for so long we heard oh he's a great defensive catcher or he's going to be, but he never was, and then it looked like he finally broke out last year. All the scouting reports, all the pieces came together. He was our captain's catcher uh, award winner for best defensive catcher in the minors, uh, and then this year you know the year he was supposed to ascend to the big leagues and and kind of stick there, and it just you know, it didn't always all come together. Um, you know, he hit okay, you know, his big league stint, 318, five bombs in 29 games. But 
uh, overall, just what were some of the, the reports you were getting on, on Jorge Alfaro and what his future you know, really is? It's uh, just a free swinger, and that's uh, that's <laughs> that for a long time has been the knock on on Alfaro. And uh, well, if he's a if he's a catcher, then there's less of an offensive bar for him to have to clear, especially with the, the raw power that he has. I mean, it's it's huge, huge raw power. But uh, this year in Triple A, he's a 24 year old with a 291 on base percentage. Uh, he just it's it's not gonna work. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he just has not learned he has not learned the strike zone, he has not learned a, a good offensive approach to uh to be able to control the strike zone and, and get to that power in games. And it's not even all he doesn't walk much which is uh which is an issue. Uh but beyond even just the, the lack of walks, it's just swinging at good pitches. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he has the power to hit more home runs if he would swing at better pitches and, and work himself into more advantageous hitters' counts. But the the approach, the the pitch recognition, the the strike zone discipline is just it's not there right now for him to uh, you know to be an everyday player. I, I think the you know the raw talent that he has allows him uh, or, or gives him the potential to do that. And the fact that he's, you know, already has some major league experience and is in AAA reduces some of the risk factor, which is why he's still in the top 10 and, and ranked where he is. Uh, but it's, you know, it's different when you have a player who's 17 years old or, or 18 or 16 even, and, and you have some questions about the, you know, the strike zone discipline's another one. It's, all right, well, he's 24, <laughs> and these questions are, are still coming up. Uh, so to me, there's, you know, he, you know he's a, he has a huge arm. Big, big raw power, uh, but the you know the, the question marks on him are some of the same question marks we've had for for a long time, and uh, it's it's bigger now because the he hasn't really been able to develop in in those areas. You, know, you mentioned minor leaguers where there's a shortcoming and and you're not sure what's going to happen, but you mentioned Alfaro's he's been in the majors. You know, two years in a row now, he's more advanced, so you, you have to put him up there. Another guy who, obviously a very different dynamic, but touted prospect who uh, has not performed what people thought they would see uh, was last year's number one overall pick, Mickey Moniak. Uh, he dropped all the way to ninth on this list. Um, just overall, what were your, what, what was the biggest feedback you got from evaluators this year? And, and, you know, how much of a chance do they see for him to bounce back next year? Yeah, uh, Mickey, Mickey Moniak. It's hard to just say his name and then I'm not just sigh <laughs> right afterward because I look when, when the Phillies drafted him number one overall. I, you know, I didn't have any issues with the, with, with them drafting him. Uh, I thought he was a really talented player as a believer in, in the swing. And, look, the swing is, is still there. It's a pretty simple, easy Swing, but I mean, you you just can't overlook the performances here. You can't have a it was a 284 on base percentage this year, and it's not like he was making up for it with uh, with big time power either. He he just looked overmatched in in low A, and that's very concerning. I mean, earlier in the season, I would say he kind of held his own at least. Uh, you know, you, you could say that, but then in the second half, it, it just got 
worse and worse. And, and maybe some of it is, is just his first full season out of high school and, and got run down. But you can't really can't really mask the the struggles that uh, that he went through. It was a, it was a disappointing season uh, for him. Uh, and I, I think 2018 is, is going to be huge for him. Because uh, there's what there's there's some signs that okay the the swing is still there he, he's still athletic he, he's not like a, a super super athlete like uh you know like a Victor Robles type in, in center field there's uh, I I wouldn't call him like a burner but he he runs well uh, but he's he's just gotta show that he can bounce back next year uh, I think there's some things they were talking about the swing the athleticism that are something there where if he can learn to better manage his approach uh, throughout the course of a, a full season in terms of the, the selectivity at the plate. Uh, I think that's going to be important for him. But uh, what he showed this year was, was definitely a disappointment. Given all that, when you were putting together the top 10, was there ever a, a concern that you'd have to drop him out of the top 10 altogether? Or was there still something where you could, you know, you put him at nine and you say, you know, here's why, and, and and you feel semi-comfortable about it, or was it a little bit of hedging? I mean, just uh, how far could you have dropped him, and, and what ultimately led you to, to you know, keep put, put him where you did? Yeah, I mean, look, you, you definitely can, like, I don't see a huge difference between number nine and number, like, you know, 12, let's say, on on, on the Phillies list. I mean, you have guys like Ranger Suarez and, and Sir Anthony Dominguez, who, who didn't make the list, and uh, you know, you go further down, even the, a guy like Simone Muzioti, uh, who uh, I think has breakout potential for them. But uh, it, it's hard right now for me to say, all right, well, two center fielders, it's hard to justify putting Muzioti over uh, Moniak. But, uh, you know, I think you could probably make the case for that if you wanted to with a guy like Ranger Suarez or, or Sir Anthony Dominguez. And both those guys have, uh, you know, their, their own different risk factors, uh, especially Dominguez with his, uh, you know, track record of uh, durability or, or lack thereof, whereas, okay, I, I still think there's a chance where Mo- this could be a one-year aberration for Moniak and he bounces back, and if he does bounce back and turns into the player that uh, he showed at least in flashes more in the first half and certainly uh, before the, you know, as an amateur when uh, he was seen a lot and, 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 and meets those projections, then he, you know his 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 future would uh, value would be higher than than those guys. But uh, there's definitely a lot of uh, volatility in uh, in Mickey Moniak, where if he bounces back this year, uh, he can he can move way up this list. And if he has another year like 2017 and next season, then he could drop way way down <laughs> this yeah. list. No, absolutely. You know, you use the word volatile, and it's interesting to me because uh, just from an outside looking in, it seems to me like there's a fair amount of volatility, you know, nine all the way through those names you mentioned where there's some upside, but it's whether it's guys who are at super low levels, guys who have injury track records. Uh, it seems like, you know, the, the top of the Phillies list, you know, we know, hey, that's three top hundred guys. That four to seven is four guys who, you know, have a chance to be pretty good and, you know, eight's, eight's pretty much big league ready almost. But then you move into the depth, and it seems like a lot of these guys. It, there's, it seems like there's some pretty high boomer bust potential for quite a few of them. Is that a fair statement? 
They, they definitely have a lot of guys who are, uh, I think, in the lower levels who have a chance to, you know, be top five type prospects in the organization next year, but are, are far away. Uh, guys like, uh, like Abuziotti or Jonathan Guzman, a shortstop, Francisco Morales, all those guys were uh, with their Gulf Coast League team this year. Luis Garcia, a uh, shortstop who they signed out of the Dominican Republic this year for $2.5 million. Uh, you know, all these guys who I think have breakout potential or a guy like Archimedes Gamboa, uh, who has, you know, very big splits both in terms of, uh, you know, when he, you know, hitting from the left side versus the right side and when he's in the first half or the second half. Uh, Daniel Brito, another guy. You know, there's, there's a lot of guys who I think have that breakout potential, which is one of the reasons why I think this is a good farm system because in addition to the guys at the, the upper levels, like at Crawford and uh, Kingery and, and, and uh, you know, Sixto Sanchez, I'm, I'm sure will pitch in double A this year, too, and JoJo Romero also. Uh, you also have that next wave of talent coming. Obviously, there are a lot of Latin American players, and, and the Phillies do a really good job uh, in Latin America, so I think that's uh, uh, a big part of it. But uh, even a guy like, uh, like a Kyle Young, a 6'10 left-hander, uh, who they you know, so got out of the draft, too, so... Uh, there's a lot of different guys who I think are good breakout candidates, and you know, of all those names I mentioned, you know, maybe one or two of them <laughs> end right. up being good big leaguers. But I, I would bet that at least one or two of those guys are, uh, you know, end up being really, really valuable uh, major leaguers down the road. I just don't know which one yet. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, no. I think that's a, that's a good way to wrap it up with all those uh, breakout guys and. Everyone can read more about them in the prospect handbook. Ben will have a detailed write-ups on them all. Uh, Wolf, well, I think that'll do it for Ben Badler. I'm Kyle Glazer. Thank you so much for tuning into the Phillies podcast. We'll have more coming your way shortly. This wraps up another Baseball America Team Prospect Podcast. A reminder again, our prospect coverage is brought to you by Baseball America subscribers. If you already subscribed, thank you. And if you don't, you can subscribe now and start diving into literally thousands of scouting reports we have at BaseballAmerica.com. Head to BaseballAmerica.com store to subscribe today. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.